Hey there, this is Michael Kennedy, the writer of Freaky and It's a Wonderful Knife, and you're listening to the Don't Go Out There podcast. In a world where zombies, ghosts, serial killers, and vampires all exist, it's Nico, Brian, Mike, and Dustin, and they are all that stand between you and the films that could end the world. Welcome to the Don't Go Out There Horror Movie Podcast. Welcome back, everybody, to the Don't Go Out There Horror Movie Podcast. Just want to thank all of our fans and listeners. We really appreciate all the support. You guys are awesome. Super excited for this interview. We have the pleasure today of sitting down briefly to ask a few questions to two people who put big stamps on the business the past few years. Known for Tragedy Girls, VHS 99, and a writer on the new hit Five Nights at Freddy's, director Tyler McIntyre, as well as writer-producer known for his work on the 2020 smash hit, Freaky, the one and only Michael Kennedy. Both are <laughs> here to promote the RLJE and Shutter release. It's a wonderful knife, only in theaters on November 10th, 2023. Guys, thank you so much for joining us. How are y'all doing? Good. Awesome. Thanks for having us. Great intros. <laughs> I feel legit. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> right, we'll definitely have to have you guys on at a later date. We have some more time. But we, we always start all of our interviews off just by asking, what is it that got you guys into this business? Well, I, I sort of grew up, uh, you know, drawing a lot when I was a kid and then and then eventually started to kind of, you know, take pictures and then um, make little movies kind of on VHS. And then, uh, you know, um, eventually they just started to get a little bigger and I started to involve more people. And then it, it kind of <laughs> grew from there and, uh, and then it sort of spiraled out of control, um, really. And then now I can't stop it. Um, for me, I grew up in a household with six other kids. I was one of seven. I am one of seven still. Wow. And, uh, so my parents, we never went to the movies. Like, I think I went to two movies as a kid. Uh, not a huge movie family. Wasn't allowed to watch a lot of like R rated stuff. Wasn't allowed to watch horror movies. So I'm a late bloomer to the horror world. But when I was 16, I went and saw scream in the movie theater. Nice. First horror movie I ever saw, and I walked out of that theater completely changed as a person. And I said to one of my friends, I'm going to make movies one day. It was like that, that big of a movie for me. Like, made me love the genre, made me love the subgenre, made me love just everything. I couldn't get my hands on shit fast enough. And <laughs> yeah, it was really one of those things where it was literally like, I'm going to do that. It took a while, but... <laughs> That's awesome. Scream's yeah. actually my favorite horror movie as well. So yeah. awesome, um, right? One of the best. Yeah. Yeah, no doubt. And as, as far as this movie goes, I mean, we had the pleasure of, you know, being sent a screener uh, a little early. And just from, you know, my point of view, I mean, we talk and Dustin uh, can speak to this as well because me and him talk about it a lot. But <laughs> just from my point of view, we, we, we talk about the state of movies in general, you know, in the sequels and prequels and basically draining an IP to its last drop a lot. I mean, <laughs> this film was so, I mean, to use a pun, wonderfully unique. I mean, can you tell us a little bit how this story came to be and, and really fall into to y'all's laps? Yeah. I mean, for me, it's, it's, I'm kind of making a little lane for myself and taking old comedies or old classics and turning them into horror movies, which is not so unique when you describe it that way. But once you kind of take something old and make it new again, it becomes kind of a, it gets a life of its own. So for me, I had such a blast making Freaky. I got to make right. my first movie with 
uh, Chris Landon, who's just a king and he's so good. And, you know, Happy Death Day, I think, really set the tone for these types of movies. I agree. And he started out as a mentor and has become a very good friend in the process. And we still work together to this day. But I loved every aspect of that movie. And then I had a really bad experience on a movie after that, um, where it just, you know, on Freaky, it was my first movie, but Chris made me feel so important and involved in that I had a voice in the process. And then to go from that to a situation where I didn't have any of that as a writer, it really kind of hurt, even though that's pretty normal. So when I sat down to write the movie, this, this movie, I sat down telling myself I wanted to write a Christmas horror movie. I was like, bar none, that was what I wanted to do. I wanted to set myself in the world of Christmas because I love Christmas movies. I love horror movies and I wanted to do both. And I just started reflecting on my time of freaky while I was brainstorming ideas. And I was like, you know what? Like, let's try to catch lightning twice. So, and then I immediately like thought, well, It's a Wonderful Life was my dad's favorite movie. It was a Kennedy staple in the house. Like, what does that look like as a horror movie? So when I sat down to kind of think like, what does a horror movie look like? it really started clicking in my head that there was like a story there and a modern story to tell through, you know, as Tyler brings up in a lot of these interviews, like it's a wonderful life is really a Christmas carol. Yeah. You know, like it's kind of riffing on Dickens. So right. it was kind of fun to like update something old and make it new. And I think people are loving these types of movies because yes. they're new, but they're also super familiar, which makes you feel really comfortable. And it makes you feel like you're part of it and that, you know, you know, like the extra layer that these movies have by knowing the past. Right. Uh, I think it makes the viewer feel more involved, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. Tyler, I mean, can you, can you speak to, to your part of it maybe a little bit? Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, you know, like I definitely, uh, like I love making horror movies and, and a lot of the ones that I've made are kind of horror comedies. And and uh, you know, it, with that comes a fair amount of like, you know, my sort of sense of humor and a lot of the satire in it. Um, and and I sort of bring that particular lens to things. Um, but what I really liked about this story was that it, it it's more sincere than the stuff I tend to write. Like it, it definitely really meant it. Like it has this uplifting kind of heart to it that I thought was, you know, an interesting challenge for like a movie that's a pretty roller coaster slasher movie, you know? And, um, you know, like what I love about making horror comedy specifically is that like, you know, you can, um, uh, it's such a tough balance and a lot of people get really uh, thrown by that. Like um, both, right. like usually on the page, people are like, I'm supposed to be laughing or the scare, <laughs> like they really freak out about it. And, and, but when you're watching it, it's the most natural thing in the world. And I think right. it is um, you know, like, and, and horror audiences are so loving and, uh, in a way that they like, when they sit down at somewhere like beyond fest, they really want your movie to be good, you know, and they right. really want to like it. And so like having like defining your sandbox for them being like, this is a cabin in the woods. This is a home invasion. This is a, this is a slasher. This is a, um, you know, like, uh, or like this sort of, you know, like, uh, like our movie where it's, you know, you have this supernatural wish and that's the game they're that's enough of a hook and they're like no 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 no, don't tell me anymore i want to sit down and see how you do it and that's like what what you you know you don't get that in in drugs right. you know you don't have a bunch of people like you know like leaning in and really rooting for you to tell them a fun movie or tell them a fun story you know and uh and that's what i think is um you know a rewarding part of it and and i think it's it's a figuring out new ways to spin spin and reset the table is is part of the fun of it because i do think it's like you know an infinite thing you know Absolutely. And you kind of brought up the scream a little bit. Do you have 
are there in particular, I mean, I, I saw a lot of them. I felt like I saw a lot of them, but are there horror influences that, you know, either directly or indirectly, you know, affected your direction when you were writing or even directing this one? Uh, I mean, for me, it's, yeah, I mean, there's definitely any time I think you kind of do somewhat of a whodunit in the modern era. It's just, it it's a reflection of Scream, you know, Tyler right. and I have talked about how people almost mistakenly confuse the whodunit as like the normal template for a slasher, but it really wasn't like that until Scream. Scream was right. so iconic that people forget before then there was maybe a handful of whodunit horror movies um, in the 70s and 80s, they were mostly, you know, kids in perilous situations. They didn't know it as opposed to the whodunit. So, yeah, I mean, for me, seeing Scream first, it made me a whodunit junkie. So, uh, you know, and Freaky isn't a whodunit. So when I sat down to write this, I knew I wanted it to be a whodunit because it would play into the wish in a way like you'd find out who the killer was 20 minutes into the movie but you know it also plays with that aspect it i don't know the thing about these movies that i love is it kind of gives you a familiarity but it keeps the audience a little bit like left of center or right of center you know and so you play up this whodunit aspect and you reveal the killer 15 minutes into the movie um which is different you know so it was exciting to kind of look at it that way like almost like an anti-scream yeah, and it also creates this really interesting uh, kind of next twenty minutes because, like, the movie, you know, like you, you, you know, you kill the killer, you know, uh, uh, you know, fifteen minutes in the movie, and then, and then you get to see kind of what happens after, you know, like, like, you know, people, you know, at the end of Scream, people, you know, Sydney Prescott isn't like, oh man, five of my friends are dead, you know, like high five, let's move on, you know, she's not like, it, you know, this definitely has some gravity to it, and I like the fact that like our next, you know, the next the rest of the first act of our movie kind of unpacks that and you see the trauma that, that, that when sort of living with and then takes it somewhere else, you know, and, and then, then allows that to kind of pay off in a different way. So this cast is full of getting to it's wonderful knife more in depth. Uh, this cast is full of pretty big names to the genre and really just in general, we got Justin Long who jokingly gets killed off gruesomely in like every movie he's in with barbarian being the most recent, but of course, Jeepers Creepers and Tusk. Uh, Catherine Isabel from Ginger, Ginger Snaps and Freddy vs. Jason, Joel McHale. This cast goes on and on. Can you talk a little bit about working with some of these people, especially Jane Whittup, who did so fantastic in this movie, and Justin Long, who just seems to be always on point with every performance? Yeah, yeah. I mean, Jane uh, came on very early. We really, um, you know, uh, uh, I saw them in Yellow Jackets and they did it, which if, if you guys haven't seen that, like they are tremendous and a big part of that first season of that show. And um, uh, they, they just did like a really amazing like self tape that kind of was that sort of uh, end of the first act scene where they end up, you know, kind of in this alternate reality and really seem to get the balance of that, like the that it's that it's actually this, um, you know, big kind of, uh, you know, magical ask you're making of the audience, but really landed it in a way that allowed you kind of, you know, that it's like that Marty McFly and Back to the Future kind of thing, like, you know, like it's still fun, but you kind of get the gravity of it. And uh, we kind of we're like, well, that's it. Let's just build a cast around what they're bringing to the table here. And we really did like, especially the younger, younger performers. And, and um, like, like the main kind of relationship in this movie is really about um, uh, Bernie and uh, Winnie, who are the uh, two characters. Um, and uh, Jess McLeod, who plays Bernie was um, somebody we had to look, you know, kind of high and low for, like we, we considered a lot of different um, performers. I met with a lot of people, did a lot of callbacks. And then, um, but uh, Jess seemed to have like the, um, you know, this kind of 
eccentric energy. And I'd seen them before in um, One of Us is Lying, which is like this Peacock series that's like this sort of kind of a young adult mystery series. And they and they are just like scene stealing left, right, and center in that show. And 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 uh, you know, so I knew, I knew they had you know kind of chops, but but then once I saw um, uh, Jess and Jane kind of together, I really knew we could kind of build it around their chemistry. And and you know, like Joel, you know, came on early. Like um, and Joel McHale's like such a um, you know sort of a heavyweight comedian, and and really has that assumption about him. And we were like, no, 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 we're we're going to have you play Hallmark Dad, you know, <laughs> and kind of um, you know, a bit a bit of a lighter kind of approach to him. And then um, and then he has some more dramatic colors and more dramatic scenes, kind of as the movie goes on. And he also, really tuned into the weirdness of it. Love Joel McHale. <laughs> yeah, and then Justin, like you know, he's just like a um, you know, obviously like a big staple of 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 uh, horror movies and horror comedy specifically, but you know, came in with like a lot of ideas. And uh, like, what was the, uh, and we talked a lot of references. Like, what was the guy he, he he's, was a big uh, inspiration for him? Uh, Joel Osteen. You guys familiar with Joel Osteen? <laughs> that was Justin's kind of template. For, <laughs> that's, that's perfect. Yeah, now yeah. I can't, I can't unsee it now. Right, right. No doubt. Yeah. <laughs> he got the, so when Justin was negotiating, he kind of had this thing where, you know, through his agent, he's like, well, Justin kind of wants to do a certain thing with the movie. And we were told, you know, fake teeth, blue contacts, blonde wig. <laughs> we are all just kind of like, what the fuck? Like, <laughs> what does that even mean? You know? And then like, the more we thought about it, the more we all started going, okay, this is, this is a really interesting choice. And then we got word that like Joel Olstein was literally his template. And as soon as I heard that, I was like, that motherfucker <laughs> is like the perfect example of what I wrote. Like I couldn't have put it in better words. And it was, yeah, it was just like, he took what I wrote, which is a little more boomer and a little bit more insidious and kind of did it with this, like, you know, fuck you sweetness to your face yeah. that he kind of plays in the movie and this, you know, like charming, smarmy, large adult son type character. I don't know. Right. He just, he brought something that you just can't really explain. It's just yeah. so fucking weird. It's so weird, but I love it. I can't imagine anyone else doing it. And I can't imagine the character being any other way at this point. Oh yeah. And those teeth were perfect. I mean, oh, they're disgusting. <laughs> they yeah. were like, Oh God. They're those perfect. teeth. Those teeth were 3000 bucks, by the way. What? And, but during an ADR session, he, he lives in Connecticut. He lives in Connecticut. Most of the time, Tyler's doing an ADR session and the dude whips the teeth out puts them in and starts doing ADR with the teeth in his mouth. Yeah. I guess he's been like carting them around. Like, like yeah, he's been, he's them. had them. I'm like, no one knew he had them. He's Once, had you know, them. Kind of the yeah. He's just, just waiting for the opportunity. ADR just hopping into character for oh, a moment. And, uh, sell those on eBay. He'll probably make money. <laughs> <laughs> well, like we said at the start, we know you guys don't have a lot of time. So like Nico said, we'll definitely try to circle back up with you guys when we can't talk longer, sure. but is there anything else regarding the movie you'd like to talk about regarding your experiences or just anything else you'd like to tell the audience? I mean, I, we had a blast making this movie. It was also hard. We had a really short schedule. We had a very minimal budget. So it is a lot of, it was movie by little horror village. So I think um, it's really important to say that because it, it is a labor of love. And uh, um, I think people will feel that on screen. Um I also am really proud of just this movie is gay as fuck as a gay writer. It's really satisfying to be able to go and create worlds that are queer as hell and have no pushback from people 
and know the audience is enjoying it and knowing all the right people aren't. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, I'm really proud of that. And I think, uh, I think if people like freaky and they like tragedy girls, they'll have a good time with us. And it's also like an uplifting movie. It's like a true Christmas like story, you know? Um, So yeah, be ready to have your heartstrings tugged a little bit. Oh, it's definitely going in my holiday rotation. Oh, great. Love it. It'll be on shutter just in time for Christmas too. So perfect. Perfect. Yeah. Dollar, do you want to share any thoughts? No, I mean, you know, like I I definitely had like such a, um, you know, like, like a good time kind of, you know, getting to know the cast and I've been looking forward to bringing up a movie uh, because I'm from Canada originally. I really wanted to, um, I've been looking for the right project to kind of bring up there. And so, um, I'm, I'm glad that I, you know, I grew up, uh, putting up a lot of winter, so I'm glad that I was able to make a winter flavored, uh, <laughs> Oh yes, sir. Absolutely. RLJE films and Shutter will release. It's a wonderful knife only in theaters on November 10th, 2023. It will stream on Shutter and AMC plus and everywhere you rent movies at a later date. A year after saving her town from a psychotic killer on Christmas Eve, Winnie, Winnie Carruthers life is less than wonderful, but when she wishes she'd never been born. She finds herself in a nightmare parallel universe and discovers that without her, things could be much, much worse. Now the killer is back and she must team up with the town misfit to identify the killer and get back to her own reality. It's a wonderful life by way of screen. (laughs) (laughs) Really appreciate you guys coming on the show. I unfortunately didn't get to watch the screener yet because me and Brian, we were at Spooky Empire all weekend. Uh, while he was watching it, whenever I would try to log in, it would kick one of us off. But oh, no. I'm, def- I'm definitely going to watch it tomorrow whenever I'm home. I took this whole week off, so I'm vibing. <laughs> Great. We appreciate you guys coming on the show. We definitely look forward to having you back on to talk about it because I love the cast of the movie just from just from seeing that, at least. Yeah. Thank you so much. It was fun to be on here. Thank yeah, you, guys. Y'all have a good one. We appreciate it. Just want to remind everybody. Oh.